Hello, beloved, friends, family, the beloved of the Lord. It is a beautiful, uh, beautiful time to be together and to gather in person here at present and all of those who are tuning in from wherever you're tuning in. We're so glad that you're spending these moments with us. This is the second, uh, what did we say? Second episode in the season of Colossians. Is that, that's familiar Netflix language for everybody, okay? And uh, where we're really exploring just this mind-blowing uh, truth that Paul is presenting to the people of Colossians. So we're super excited. We've invited some artist friends to join us. So Amanda is joining us this week. Uh, Amanda, do you wanna introduce yourself and tell us a little bit about uh, this, this journey that you're on? Wow, that's really general. I can say, <laughs> I can say whatever I want. What will I do with all this power? Um, uh, yeah, my name is Amanda. I'm an artist. Uh, I'm based in uh, downtown Hamilton. And this is what I do. This is what I'm passionate about. And uh, it's meaningful to me because I think that uh, Jesus came to do exactly what art does, to disturb the comfortable and to comfort the disturbed. That's mm, it. That's beautiful. So Amanda has already, we've you know read the scriptures and has already begun a journey and she's gonna complete it here for us while we're talking. So you'll be able to see this happening while we're sort of using some words and praying together and stuff in a beautiful just demonstration of all the different ways that God wants to speak to us, right? All the different areas, even in our brains, you know, neurology specialists are telling us that there's all kinds of different ways of, of understanding, of learning. And uh, art is a really important part of that. So thanks for being here and we'll talk after, right? All right, so Colossians 2. Um, let's have a look at uh, one of the verses that I really wanna talk about, the goal of Paul. And uh, here it is here. My goal is that they be encouraged in heart. So they is us, the body of Christ, the people in Colossae uh, included in us and united in love. Isn't that beautiful? Encouraged in heart and united in love so that they may have the full riches of complete understanding in order that they may know the mystery of God. This is, I love this term, mystery of God, namely Christ in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. So this, this mystery of God in uh, chapter one, Paul puts it like this, the mystery of God is revealed, Christ in you, the hope of glory. This is the mystery of God, the mystery of the universe, the mystery of like, who are we? Why are we here? Why do we exist? How do we live? Like, what are all of the things that matter most? Like, what are the things that I'm built to do? What is the meaning of life? You know, all of those questions that we just sort of suppress while we eat more brownies, you know? Like, it's th those things are actually revealed. The mystery is being revealed in Christ. And in Christ, we experience the beautiful mystery of that. And I, I love that, Christ in you and us in Christ. Now, just uh, for a little bit of context, and then I really just wanna pray for a little bit together because I've really been praying this whole week because my mind's being blown in so many different ways. I don't have time to explain it all to you, but I want you to experience this incredible, like when Paul puts it like this, the riches, the incredible wealth that Christ is to us, incredible wealth, the insight, the, the avenue by which, the way that we can enter into seeing and living a different way, a completely alternative reality, and what a beautiful reality is it is. So in Colossae, there's three things that Paul um, uh, talks about that are kind of challenges, or uh, he would say less than, they are these 
old sort of systems by which we would try to find knowledge and wisdom, but they're not helping us. They're not actually working. I think we would probably say a hearty amen to this even today. And the three are this hollow philosophy. Now, when Paul is, oh, let's just do the three. Hollow philosophy, human tradition, and what he would call principles of this world. Okay, so that's the context there. They're, they're, they're trying to find this knowledge. They're trying to find this wisdom. They're trying to find the secret of meaning to life these three ways through hollow philosophy. When he say, says hollow philosophy, what he's really talking about there are, is this Gnostic heresy that's been kind of a, a present tense in the early church. Gnostics, uh, really to simplify it, just basically say, oh, the only thing that matters is the spiritual things that you believe and nothing else, the way that you live, the what you do with your body, what you, what you eat, like all the body stuff doesn't matter. So so matter doesn't matter. And a lot of the early heresies would sort of even say, even Jesus is just a spiritual sort of idea. And that's why Paul, all through the letters in the early church, always says the body of Christ, right? Always says in flesh and blood, always says when he died, he died in physical death on the cross. He'll always place it back into the body again because he's pushing back against this idea of this esoteric, super spiritual truth that has nothing to do with flesh and blood. So that's a hollow philosophy he's naming there. And the other thing is human tradition. This is uh, interesting as a, a, a previous Pharisee. So Paul was a Jew, a very religious Jew. And here he's talking about that other impulse of the early church, that other enemy, which is this religious impulse. And that's really less about the spirit of God and more about what we do, what we don't do, what we eat, what we don't eat. And that idea of that religious impulse that we could prove or we could please or we could work our way or there's something in us that could do to access this wisdom or this knowledge. So that's what he's pushing against these two sort of things, super spiritual dualism, sort of separating what we believe from what we live and then super religious impulses that trap us in this thing that we know doesn't work for thousands and thousands and thousands of years. We know we can't earn our way or or prove our way or please our way into access uh, to the mystery of God. And then this final thing, principles of this world is really a, a large part what we were talking about last week where we, we talk about empire. And then even the power, uh, Paul's gonna call this the powers and principalities. And what he means by this are the heavenly powers or the, 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 the supernatural powers, the spiritual powers, which are really demonic in origin in many ways, the powers, those powers that then sort of uh, push and drive a lot of the principles of this world. Uh, we can see this, of course, so very easily, even uh, last week as we looked at sort of the impact of empire and the lens of empire. And you can see very clearly, you know, one of the ways that I've, um, I, I, I try to help myself understand the source of where principles are coming from is their fruit, you know, is their impact. And uh, Paul, uh, in John 10, 10, Jesus says this, the enemy has come to steal and kill and destroy, but I have come that you might have life. And that life, by the way, there is um, a, a little Greek word called Zoe life which is not just eternal life, it's not like life forever, but it's a life that is fully alive, abundant life, spiritually, physically, like just a different way, a deeper way, a more beautiful way of living in the world. I have come that you would have Zoe life, the fullness of life, and that you would have that abundantly or that you would overflow in that. So you can see the fruit of Jesus, you know, the fruit, what God has come to do is bring this Zoe life, this different way, this incredible way of living in the world. And what the enemy seeks to do all the time through all of these different ways, through hollow philosophy, through, you know, religious impulses, and then through princi principles of this world, kill, steal, destroy. 
right? And we can see this in empire thinking. We can see this in the way that we even compete with each other. We can see this in the way that we're taking and we consider that success. So even last week, you know, I didn't have time to mention all the things, but I was thinking this week specifically just praying about the fruit of the colonial conquest of the indigenous peoples, even right here in Canada. I was thinking about the 150,000 indigenous children who were stolen and taken their culture taken from them and systemically really destroyed their way of life, their languages, their culture, and then their future, stolen and killed, destroyed, all in the name of religion, all in the name of great philosophy, all in the name of power. And that exposing of those sort of things is part of what Jesus has come to help us. That's what the wisdom of Christ is, this exposing of what it is he's inviting us into. This is not a dominant empire power. This is a different thing altogether. This is a Zoe life. This is an invitation to participate. Do you remember uh, last week when we, we, we closed in prayer, we used that prayer from the message translation where, um, and, and Lisa was talking about this earlier, where, where we can enter into Christ and find our place in him, all the dislocated bits, all of the empty bits, all of the you know wonky bits, all of the jiggly bits. <laughs> and we can find our place in Christ without crowding. Isn't that a beautiful, there's so much space in Christ. He's so big, the life, the abundant life of Christ, the, the calling of Jesus, there's so much space in him. We could all find our place in him without crowding. I was just, wow. You know, there's no need to still kill, destroy. There's no need to exclude. There's no need to be nervous that someone's gonna come in. There's no need uh, for lies or illusions or facades. There's no way we can find our place in Christ without crowding. And we can be part of a vibrant harmony of what God wants to do in the earth. So this is still, in some ways, this is, this is, Wow, this is just hard for us to comprehend, isn't it? Is it just me or is this hard for us to comprehend? These incredible truths that are so scriptural and yet so difficult sometimes to live. So one of the things I've been doing this week is asking the spirit of God, the spirit of all wisdom, the power that is above all other powers, the power of love, God's power, Jesus's power that's been demonstrated as self-giving love, this power, this different, this opposite, this alternative reality. I've been asking God to help me, like how do I, just open myself, how do I access this power? How can I actually do this instead of just talking about it? <laughs> and, uh, and I felt like the Lord said, you could just, you could pray. <laughs> you could pray, you could ask, you could ask, you could practice, right? You, could, you can try, you can enter. So there's two movements that I just want us to spend a couple of minutes on in prayer right now, just before we go on and talk about how Jesus exposes the, you know, the other powers and how he disarms them um, and, and, and what that means in terms of how we can live. And it's just two movements. The first is open to Christ in me, open to the spirit of Christ in me. And here's what I want us to do here. I, I just, I want you to find an open posture. Okay, so if you're present here, it's a little harder because you're in pews, but just find an open posture. Maybe open your hands, maybe raise your head a little bit, close your eyes if you want, and uh, maybe you can imagine yourself in an open space. And then even in your body somehow, maybe open your heart, you know, just like shoulders back a little bit, like open, no more hunching here as children of God, right? Just shoulders back a little bit and just open yourself. And I'm gonna pray just a, a prayer of openness. And I want you, you can if you're at home um, and you're watching this, by all means, just lie on the floor and be open. That would be cool to do this that way. Just anything that looks open or seems open to you, just open yourself right now. 
Those of you who are hungry, maybe you don't fully understand, you don't know what's going on, but you are open to love and you are open to forgiveness and you are open to grace and you are open to Jesus teaching you all of the wisdom that he has, then this is for you right now. You can open yourself. You can open yourself. And I'm gonna pray, and you can pray your own prayers if you want. I'm just gonna pray that I would open to, and you can pray along with me if you like. So Jesus, even right now, we just open ourselves to the spirit of Jesus. We open to your love. We open our minds. We open where all of those anxious thoughts are rolling around in there. All of those uh, concerns and fears and confusion, all of that baggage rolling around in our, in our minds. We just open our minds to your peace. We open our minds to your presence. We open our bodies where we hold our tension, where we're ashamed, where we're hurting, where we're broken, where we're in pain. We open to your spirit of comfort, to your spirit of love, to your spirit of healing. Spirit of Christ, come with your healing presence, with your comfort. We open our hearts. We open to the spirit of Christ in our hearts. Even now, just choosing to open areas that have been closed off for fear or out of pain. We open them right now. Even those places inside there that have been shut maybe for a long time that are messy and complicated and filled with baggage. We open our hearts to your spirit of forgiveness, to your spirit of comfort, to your spirit of embrace, connection, wholeness. We open to Christ in us. Mm. Yeah. So that's the first part of the prayer. And uh, isn't that beautiful? <laughs> that would help, wouldn't it, on a daily basis, just to open to the spirit of Christ that we have access through because he died, because of his blood, because of the cross, which we'll talk about in a second. But just if you are wondering, you know, what is, what is the philosophy? What is the religious impulse? Like, what is the principles by which I've been trying? If you go to a self-help book or you're Googling like success and 10 quick, easy steps, or like, finally, if I'll get the perfect body, then finally I'll be satisfied. And you get there, if anyone ever gets there, and then you're not satisfied, you know? And you're just like, you've got success, you've got wealth, you've got all the things, but it's actually not enough. It's because there's actually the wisdom of Christ is beyond all of that. It's more than all of that. And that will never satisfy you. And uh, that's why there's such an incredibly wealthy market for self-help material, <laughs> because it's endless to go over that, over that, over that, over that again. The only satisfaction, the only fullness, the only wholeness in our lives is found through the spirit of Christ through Christ himself. And that's so beautiful. So many years ago, uh, my buddy Rob, he was uh, really impacted by the spirit of Jesus himself. He was uh, delivered from a heroin addiction and healed of diabetes at the same time. 
because his needle use and his diabetes were connected. So he, was fi- he found himself in a cardboard box in the downtown east side, you know, really poor neighborhood, really left out and really lost. And uh, he, Jesus found him there. He cried out for help and he had this spiritual encounter. Then he came to live with us for a couple of years, my family, and he's really part of our family now. And when we went to go plant a community, a Christian community in the downtown east side, Rob came with us as one of the, one of the people that were, were doing that. Still a little rough around the edges. I think he still had a mohawk and wore a lot of chains and smoked and stuff, but he was just such a great witness of the power of Jesus. And we had a friend we had made there early on named Annie. I think I've introduced her to you before, but Annie was uh, suffered with mental illness and drug addiction, was a dual diagnosis. But she also was just so connected to the spirit of Christ. It was a fascinating journey for me to, to learn from somebody so different uh, and so outside of what I thought the Lord would speak through. And uh, as I was preparing for this this week, I had this memory of walking with Rob. So it was me and Rob and Annie across this psych hospital's grounds where we're visiting Annie who's in, in a psych hospital for a while. And we're walking across these grounds and Annie turns to me and she goes, Danielle, isn't it amazing the way Rob turned into Jesus? <laughs> And I remember just this young, I just remember panicking, going like, we're not helping her right now. Because, you know, Annie thinks Rob is Jesus, you know? Like, so I like just really kindly, nicely, and like authoritatively, I say, oh, Annie, you know, Rob is, you know, really changed. But, it, you know, that actually, that's more scandalous if you hadn't known Rob then. <laughs> but anyway, uh, but I'm like, but Rob actually, what happened was that Rob invited Jesus into his life. That's what's happened. And then Annie looks at me like I'm in kindergarten and she says, yeah, but when Jesus came into Rob, didn't Rob go into Jesus? <laughs> yeah, yes, he did. When Jesus comes into Rob, didn't Rob also come into Jesus? Yes, Annie, thank you. Thank you for teaching me the deeper truth of what Jesus invites us to. So we open to the spirit of Jesus. We open to the spirit of Christ who needs to work inside of us, right? We access a power that's greater than the other powers, greater than the powers inside of us that would lie to us, greater than our anxieties, greater than our fears, greater than the destructive habits and destructive patterns in our life. We open to that power so that we have the power that Paul would say, the same power that raised Jesus from the dead is the same power that can come into our lives as we open to that power, to allow that power to transform the inside of us. But there's also this beautiful invitation to enter into Christ. Now, this is where Christ is so much bigger. There's no way that all of Christ could fit in me. (laughs) I have to fit all of me into Christ. This is that beautiful, open, spacious, you know, we call it the body of Christ. Even as we enter into Christ, we don't do it by ourselves. We find our place without crowding with every other person who finds themselves in Christ and every other thing. That was what Paul would say, every, the created order, right? Relationships, the shalom, the original idea of the right, everything wrong being made right in Christ. We enter into Christ. And this was the other prayer posture I really wanted, this movement, prayer movement, I really wanted to invite you to do. So I'm, I'm gonna invite you to stand and uh, this won't be the end of the message, I'm sorry, but, um, but this might be helpful for you to practice as well at home. So if you're watching this somewhere else and you have more space, by all means, use more space. But I was thinking of us physically here. I just want you to put one foot in front of the other so that you can kind of lean in. So when I say I enter, or when I say we enter, you're just gonna kind of take a step, even though you don't have much room there. And just keep stepping in. And this image has been really helpful to me that in Christ, 
we have what we need, that in Christ, we find what it is that we need. In Christ, uh, the scripture says, we actually are hidden from our enemy in Christ. We hide from our enemy in, the, in, in Christ. So this is the other, we opened to Christ in me and now we're entering into Christ, okay? So let's pray. So we enter into Christ, who is the rock, all other ground, sinking sand, but we stand in Christ solid. We enter into Christ, who is enough, who is grace upon grace upon grace, who overflows with hope for the world. We enter into Christ, who is truth, who is light, who illuminates the darkness, who shows us a way where it looked like there was no way. We enter into Christ, a stronghold, a protector, shade from the scorching heat. We run into Christ and we are safe. We hide under the shelter of the wing of Christ. We enter in to Christ without crowding, entering a vibrant harmony. We enter. Yeah, amen. Amen. Okay, you may be seated. (laughs) Those two movements uh, are movements of Colossians in so many ways, are movements of Paul. We open to the spirit of Christ in our life and we enter into Christ who is at work in the world. And those are movements that I've been doing all week long and I hope you can do, even when you're stuck standing in line somewhere, you might just wanna put one foot in the other and say, I enter into Christ who can keep uh, calm in this situation right now. (laughs) And uh, you can practice that. So the wisdom of Christ, Um, this is now empire language and we have a little bit of time just to, to, to talk about what happened, how Christ's power is not only manifest, but also in the manifestation, in the making known of Christ's power, a greater power, or as our 12 step friends like to say, a higher power, right, is Christ over all the other powers. There's something that happens. There's an exposing of the powers of the the. Uh, the impotence of those powers. And then there's a disarming of them so that Christ is revealed as the power above all of other powers, okay? And um, the image that I have that is maybe sometimes helpful here is like the Wizard of Oz, you know, Dorothy and her friends that are going to find the wizard who has everything that they need. And the wizard we might wanna consider is like principles of this world, right? And and they finally come and they, they find the wizard and they pull back the curtain and it's really just this like little guy in there pulling all these levers. And if you think about what's happening, how he's actually, it's, it's a lie, right? It's an illusion, so it's lies. Do you remember how we discern what comes from the powers and what comes from Christ? So that wizard is personifying what comes from the powers or the principalities or even religion or philosophy is this idea of lies. There's an illusion. It's actually not really true. And then um, it's uh, fear. It's fear-based. You remember what the wizard in the Wizard of Oz, if you read this, what they, what he, he's like the great and powerful, mighty Wizard of Oz so that everyone's afraid to challenge the wizard. And then of course, the end result is this disconnection and this destruction, this separation from each other, fear, uh, and all of these vying for it. And we can see this. So the impulse of empire, the demonic powers that are at work in the world. And this is it, they're they're lie. The language of empire or the powers, principalities and powers are lies. And then we see even on the cross, you remember it was a false accusation that put Jesus on the cross. 
You remember even his whole conversation with Pilate was about like, you know, is this the truth? And Jesus is like, yes, what you have spoken is true. And then Pilate's like, well, what is truth? Right, just that empire idea of like illusion and like what is truth and how do we feel right now about like what is true on the news? <laughs> it's hard to know, isn't it? We don't even know. We're just stuck in this like principles of this world and all of these swirling sort of illusions and lies and we don't really know. Well, Jesus is like, I'm the truth. I am the truth. And he exposes the lies, even on the cross, as there's this like epitaph up above his head that says he's the king of the Jews, which is like a slanderous lie, except (laughs) it's really the truth. There is this exposing of the powers and then this manifestation of a power greater. Truth is always greater than the lie. And the currency of the powers, how the power operates is through fear. And Jesus, of course, refuses fear. He refuses it even when they come to arrest him. This is his way. The way of the greater power is to actually uh, refuse fear as a motivator and instead is motivated by love. And you remember that even for God so was afraid that the earth might crash and burn. For, For God was so afraid that people might not make it. For God was so, yeah, for God so loved the world. His motive has always been love. His apparatus is always love. He operates, his currency of the kingdom is love. It always is and it always has been. And this is Jesus at the cross, this pinnacle moment where he chooses love. Even as he hangs on the cross, falsely accused, and he's been beaten, what does he say? Forgive them, Father, for they know not what they do. Truth and a spirit of love. And what does it do? It exposes that spirit of fear and it actually uh, empowers the spirit of love, this greater power. It, it disarms that power because now even the guy on the cross right beside him who deserves to die is like, who's this guy who doesn't even deserve to die? And yet here he is, what's happening? There's an exposing of empire, principalities, powers, and there is a power greater. That's what's happening. And the end of the powers, of course, is death. And Jesus absorbs the death. He actually destroys death from the inside out. Even death itself, which is the ultimate power of empire, I'm going to kill you, has no power over Christ because he is the author of life. So life is the final. Death is just um, something that he is able to walk through without fear uh, and without this clamoring after. And this is what gives uh, Christians from then until now just this incredible ability to say, death is not the final word. It's not the final word. And so it might be true and it might be hard and it might be real. There it is, Jesus in bodily form. It's not just the idea of death, he is dying. And at the same time, that is the beginning of a new humanity, a new life, a new creation. Isn't it beautiful? This is the power, the greater power that is exposed, that not only exposes, but disempowers all of the other powers. So I was thinking about this, if you're wondering like, what is this big deal? Like opening to the spirit of Christ. We need the spirit of Christ in the inside of us because we have been so conformed to the patterns of this world. This is later on in another book in Romans. It says, be transformed by the renewing of your mind so that you will even know what God's will is. Right, we can be so easily deceived about what God's will is if we don't have the spirit of Christ illuminating those lies that we believed for our our whole lives, right? Those things that we've been embedded in, the ways of the world, the ways of empire, the ways of control, the ways of manipulation, the ways of fear. We're so used to being motivated by fear and we need a power greater than those powers, both to expose those powers that we know that that's how we're operating. And I've just found it really helpful to go like, is this true? 
where are the lies that I'm actually, where are the lies that are embedded in my mind? Where are the lies that are happening in this conversation? Where are the lies that are going on in this community? Where are the lies that are going on in our society? And then how does the spirit of Christ illuminate, bring light to those dark places and bring truth to those lies? And I need the spirit of God. This is, this is what Paul's saying. We need the spirit. Otherwise, we're just like subject to whatever we come across that sounds good at the time. Whatever ad looks really great, we believe it. Whatever philosophy we run into, we believe it. We need the wisdom of Christ, the spirit of Christ to illuminate those places, those lies even inside of us. But then also in Christ, as we enter into Christ, we can begin to see those lies on a bigger scale. We can begin to see how that truth can actually impact the people that we live with and the way that we live in this world, the way that we can be human in Christ and relate to each other differently. And the same is true with the fear. What is motivating me? Is it fear? Is it fear of what people might think? Is it fear of what I might lose? Is it fear of what might happen if? Is it fear? What, like, where is the fear? Because if, wherever you can identify that fear, you can know that it's coming from those powers. And that fear then can be, as you invite the spirit of Christ to illuminate your life and the cross of Christ to be sort of at the center of our life, we can go, oh, I see. We don't have to be motivated by fear. We can be motivated by love. We can allow the spirit of Christ open to his love to actually identify where fear is and begin to push it out of our life, disarm it from being in charge of us. And the same, of course, is true with destruction, with death, Inside, where are those places that I'm, things I'm participating in that are, are, are causing separation or fragmentation or destruction or death? What do those things look like? How is that happening even inside of my life? What are those practices that I'm doing that are separating, compartmentalizing myself, which only leads to destruction? And where are those places I can enter into the fullness, the Zoe life, the wholeness, the shalom, and come into the whole spirit of Christ. That's what's happening here. That's what's happening all the time. This great invitation that we have to access a power greater than any other power and actually enter into that power and have that power fill us, the spirit of Christ, so that we can walk in a different way. Now we're gonna do a declaration together as a finale. And then I wanna have a chat with Amanda again about how uh, this art stuff has been speaking to her this week and how it might help us as well. So can you stand with me? And I want us just to read this out loud. Here we go. We have the power in Christ to live in truth and expose lies. We have the power in Christ to overflow in love and not be driven by fear. We have the power in Christ to live abundantly and recreate instead of destroying. And I want you to just tell the person beside you right here physically, or if you're watching this, if there's somebody there, if not, text somebody and say, you have the power in Christ. Somewhat, no one saying, I got the power. <laughs> All right, Amanda, talk to me. How's it going? Talk me through this. Well, still work to be done, but we've been thinking about the same things it sounds like just listening to you talk as I'm making. Uh, as I was working through this, this piece, preparing and, and thinking about the different components, what it really came down to for me was the choice that we're given every day. We every day have a choice. We can choose violence. We can choose death. 
We can choose to neglect other people. We can choose to neglect ourselves. And we can choose to not really see, to not really pay attention and to focus on what we can achieve, what we can accomplish. Mm. And in that way, kill ourselves. Mm -hmm. Or we can choose this better way. We can choose to be like the, the woman crying out in the streets, wisdom, who reminds us that, yeah, we're gonna die. I'm gonna die, you're gonna die, we're all gonna die, we can't avoid it. Maybe we can slow it down. You know, maybe we can make ourselves look better when we're, when we're dead or something, but we can't stop it. Mm -hmm. But what we can do is we can decide every day to look back at everything that we've been, to look back at the pain that we've caused, to reflect and to choose something better instead of wearing a crown of, of violence and of mine mm. to wear a crown of water and of life to give. And in that way, to walk into our inheritance as images of God. Mm. And that's it. Okay, cool. So this is Lady Wisdom. Yes. This is the wisdom of Christ. That's beautiful. I love it a lot. And you see all those images of light and water, of course, with this endless love of God, right? This boundless ocean. Yeah, and there is an infinity symbol in here as well uh, mm. that kind of keeps going and going. I don't nice. know if anybody is familiar with the anatomy, but this is actually a spinal cord. Mm -hmm. And for me, that's about the backbone, what we allow to be the backbone of our, of our society, of our, of our choices, mm. um, and what we allow to go on. Because we can keep doing this over and over and over again and making the same mistakes forever and ever and ever. Yeah. And never really get anywhere, yeah. never really help anyone, never really help ourselves. Yeah, wow, it's beautiful. And there's lots, we're gonna definitely make this available so you can meditate on it more. But isn't this incredible, great gift of knowing and learning in a different way? Thank you so much. Let's thank Amanda. Oh, can you, did you already turn it off? Can you remind us of your Instagram handle in case people wanna follow her? Uh, lucid palette. Lucid palette. Lucid palette. Lucid palette. Yeah, lucid palette. Yeah. We're going to put that up, I think, any minute now. At lucid power. So you can just uh, check that out. She's in Hamilton and she's an artist and a budding artist and a wonderful member, too, of the Meeting House. So we're, we're so thankful for you, Amanda. And uh, let us go and live in the light and the hope and the truth and the love of Christ. And all God's people said, Amen.